0: Hey guys, Trapper here. And Emily. Thanks for listening to another episode of Traps Lodge. If you like it, leave us a review.
1: Welcome back everybody to Traps Lodge Alaska Part 2.
0: Part 2.
1: We're going to get a little more detailed and specific in this episode about Trapper's current preparations to go on an actual hunt in Alaska as a guy. well you're guiding.
0: Um. Yes, I have an assistant guide's license up there, so technically I'm
1: assisting. Guiding. I'm I'm,
0: assist, I'm a I'm a glorified pack mule. <laughs> and it's, I'm too old to be a pack mule, but that's what I am.
1: I would like to see that. So, uh, last episode, if you haven't tuned into that, it's the episode right before this. We talked a little bit about Trapper's backstory and his first trip to Alaska when he was about twelve years old. And just a little bit about the weather, about visiting Alaska, uh, Trapper's thoughts on it, places he likes. But this episode, you're going to tell us a little bit more about preparing for moose camp.
0: Yeah, so I've I've been preparing for moose and caribou camp um, the last several months, actually.
1: A long time, yes.
0: And reasons, there's some reasons behind that, because I've got some newbies um, friends of mine buddies of mine and my brother-in-law josh yes um accompanying me and uh they've never been and they don't know what to expect so i did some some pre-pack pre-packing videos and lists of what to what to take um et cetera. Et cetera. so basically you have to just take a duffel bag and that's that's it that's what you get to take this whatever 90 liter 70 90 liter duffel bag that's that's your so suitcase like
1: three feet yeah long-ish. yeah
0: so we've got multiple different dry bags uh, recommend packing in a dry bag to keep all your gear dry uh, whether that be a roll top dry bag a zip dry bag there's a lot of brands out there I use Filson I've got a Cabela's I've got Koyukon, new new company that's come out with some really really phenomenal dry bags Um, and then once you get there you have to imagine yourself when you're there that you don't just get in your car and drive down the street because you need some chapstick or some aspirin or any little minute thing that you use on a daily weekly basis Um, and it's so I, I recommend to people like you have to physically prepare yourself for these types of trips and then most of all mentally prepare mentally prepare yourself you're going to be out of touch with reality no social media no facebook no nothing um the best you have is sat phone which you can rent or buy um and then garmin makes an inreach now that you can bluetooth to your cell phone which i can text emily on and she can text me back if i don't text her first I have no idea that she needs to reach me that's the only way i stay in touch with you in idaho right right on the middle fork the salmon yeah so knowing all of these things right and then there's a lot of guys that want to do a self self self-guided or semi-guided maybe just a drop-in caribou type hunt my recommendation is really do your homework um, find out where those herds are, where the good areas are. I've heard stories, good and bad, on both. Um, I've, I've helped a lot of guys go on these trips or go with guys on these trips. Um, and I've seen guys, I have even seen on TV. It was like maybe Alaska fishing game, like game warden thing. You know, like a couple of guys killed a moose. And they're like, well, now what do we do with it?
1: Yeah, I know I've heard um, from a friend of mine at work that his buddies go up there, and I guess they go um, self-guided or whatever, but where they go, it's really crowded. Right. So one of the benefits of where you go is that it's not as crowded, right? There's
0: Well, I guess what I'm getting at is if you're a rookie and it's money well spent to go with a guide, in my opinion, I even hire guides when I go into areas that I'm not familiar with. Um, if you have a big ego and you don't want to go with a guide or an outfitter or somebody at least knows the area, which there's a lot of pilots up there that can point you in the right direction. And there's some companies up there that rent you all the equipment. They'll fly you out, set up your spike camp and bam, there you are. Um, but then you're on your own. Like if you don't know how to skin and quarter on the ground and all the rules and regulations that come with that, so you have to take all edible meat back to camp. Like in Texas, we just basically take all four quarters into back straps, and we're done. Now, you've got to take rib meat, neck meat, any edible meat on that carcass. So you need to read your regulations.
1: I do remember yeah. that there's a lot of regulations. Yeah. A
0: lot of regulations, and they're very strict. Alaska's very strict with their re- regulations. They have want and waste laws. That means like if you kill a trophy animal and you just take the head, that's, that's wanting and wasting all that meat, and they will fine you big time for that so do your homework on the regulations do your homework on the area um and then do your homework on your gear um so basically whatever you put in that dry bag duffel bag is what you have with you on a tundra um and i could go down the list but it's probably not in front of me i'm probably gonna forget some things that's why i make a list i lay everything out on the floor and I check everything off that list. And me and Josh did this at his house the other night. So rain gear's uttermost important. You're gonna probably get some moisture at some point, no matter where you're at in Alaska. It can get windy, um, especially where we're going up near up north of Nome. So you want some you can go from t shirt weather to three layers of jackets and a rain gear in a matter of an hour, and it can go back the other way six hours later. So, like I said in part one, that weather that changes drastically, you want to be prepared for it. And when I say technology's come a long way, our gear has come a long way. The first time I went was 30 years ago. My, my wet weather gear was not very good, had really not very good lightweight, warm clothing. Um, and wool, when wool gets wet, it stays wet and it gets heavy. Um, there's some great wool products out there alaska's probably not the place for them on on this type of scenario um cotton like denim when it gets wet it gets heavy and it's really hard to dry out especially in a damp climate so like a fleece you can wring it out and wheel it around your head and it'll dry out pretty quick so do your research on the clothing you don't have to buy the most expensive stuff out there um but warm lightweight Wind waterproof all those things come into come into play like count like how many days you're gonna be on the tundra because normally your outer layers are pretty much wearing the same outer layers every day so like how many days you're gonna want to change your socks how many days you want to change your underwear um you don't need 10 pairs of pants but you may need three or four and you want to keep one clean for the travel home um how many t-shirts because you're probably gonna change three things socks underwear and t-shirts if you wear underwear um <laughs> some people don't just for that reason it's one more thing to pack um baby wipes baby powder or you know gold bond something like that you're, you're not really gonna have a warm shower um or a bathtub to crawl into um, you might find some creeks to rinse your face off in a lot of the times it's so cold that you don't want to get in there i've done it um it's not horrible it's very eye-opening Um, it's like a cold plunge yeah it's like a polar bear plunge um (laughs) not everywhere but um mosquitoes are gonna you know are bad um i take my knives my knife sharpeners headlamp flashlights my gps maps of the area let people know where i'm going if i'm going without an outfitter or a guide Uh, obviously if somebody dropped you off in that area they're gonna know about where you're at um and knowing if you're going by yourself knowing how to prepare um to take that animal apart once you've harvested it um on the ground um, a lot of people aren't used to to working an animal on the ground and i'll i'll do some videos while i'm up there that we can kind of maybe add to this when we get back and talk with Cade, my buddy it's Cade that's going to help me out up there in, in camp too he's working fishing camp right now um but he's going to meet us in moose camp with jim fegis my good buddy and Heath. And um, what else can we talk about? Talk
1: about footwear. That's the one thing. Oh, footwear is
0: important. Yeah. So some guys just wear like a a knee-high waterproof boot. That kills my foot. I've had some foot injuries. Uh, I wear a waterproof hiking boot uh, and then gaiters over that. Um, You should have some type of waders or they make a glacier sock. Uh, Basically, it works. If you have a certain type of plastic boot, it goes in that boot and over your clothing it's like a hip wader that's really lightweight and can roll up um but you can take hip waders i think the first trips i made up there i was running around the hip waders when i was 12 years old i think i had to roll them down about twice because they were too long for me um this time i'm taking some chest waders um, that don't have feet on them i've got a extra pair of tennis shoes i'm gonna throw in there for wading across there's a river there that we have to cross um so you definitely want to keep your feet dry uh everything dry Uh, because once you get dry or once you get wet you get cold very easily especially in the wind and the sun starts going down
1: yeah i'm not a fan of cold well wet and cold i I don't think anybody is or or
0: hypothermia
1: (laughs) (laughs) um so take us to um let's let's briefly talk about um moose camp day one so you get dropped off on the tundra you wake up the next morning well, let's talk. What are sleeping arrangements like?
0: Um, so you're in a bombshell tent, um, two cots per tent. Uh, last mm-hmm. time I was there, it was four of us in a tent. I slept on the floor. Uh, Jimmy Owens was there. He slept on the floor. Um, basically, the we're, we're, only thing that we have to bring, because um, Jim Feijas uh, Adventures, is supplying all the food, the camping wear, uh, cots, tents, and uh, bed pads. So we have to take our own sleeping bag, are all of our clothing granted our optics and our rifles and ammunition so that
1: um, seems like a huge benefit right there going with a guide as they've been working you said for like months or weeks or months he's
0: been yeah he's been packing flying camp in there for weeks now yeah, preparing so for us to, to be there to arrive yeah um yeah so it's a big benefit to go with a, a an outfitter like that that has the equipment that you either would have to buy or rent Um, like i said there's some other companies that they have equipment that you can rent and they'll fly you out and drop you off like if you want to do a semi do it yourself um
1: so you get dropped off
0: yeah they get dropped off as soon as i land sort out my gear i grab my spot scope i want to start looking and see what's there um i'm taking two spotting scopes because some of the guys are going don't have them Uh, I believe you're only as good as your equipment so I use Swarovski spotting scopes and Swarovski binos I I believe very um, truly that I have bad eyesight I have to wear big contacts there's a lot of other options and optics out there but I think optics um, as far as hunting is going to make you one a a good spotting scope will save you a lot of walking um, after nothing because I've spotted something that i thought was a trophy or thought was something that we wanted to hunt or harvest and get there and it's not it's either got one side missing or it's too young or too immature or uh, with moose it's it's usually a width width and brow tine requirement brow point requirement so that spine scope can save you a lot of steps um great rifles i've got taken two great rifles with me made by uh mike owens my buddy in um wyoming puck precision i think your gear should be top notch if you're um paying to go on a hunt like this it's worth having good equipment or having somebody that you know has good equipment like me that you can borrow <laughs> <laughs> or, t- or go with you um so game bags is an important uh thing guys i almost forgot about that so i sent, i mailed some game bags up there to jimmy uh Fegis. I should start calling James. There's a lot of Jimmies that I know. Um, and so if you're like going to do a it, do-it-yourself, If the, you need to ask the company if they're going to supply you with game bags. Um, and I'm not just talking cheesecloth like you would might use in New Mexico. I like a solid game bag like caribou gear or Kuyu game bag because it's going to get roughed up and drugged through the alders and thrown on planes and get handled multiple times. So you don't want just a plain cheap cheesecloth that's going to rip very easily um because you've got to get the game meat out of there and if it's warm um i suggest you learn how to how to cape out ahead um and that means taking it completely off the skull and maybe i'll have eric well video eric while we're up there he's my taxidermist that's going with me and maybe we can throw a cape caping video out there and you guys can can watch that there's there's plenty of them on youtube um but these are all the little things that guys just don't think about. They think about getting there and the excitement and, and harvesting an animal or harvesting a trophy, and then they get it on the ground, and they, they just don't know what to do with it. And they don't know when they're in the field, like, if they have to have um, proof of sex, which is make sure it's a male or female. So, like, with a moose, you've got to leave part of that, can I say penis on the air? Yeah. Part of his junk on that ham um or they'll cite you a ticket for it
1: wow i didn't know that that was not in the regulations i read when i was researching <laughs> okay so you... and it's
0: probably different from unit to unit
1: okay so you say you you get there and you start you get out your spotting scope and you're looking right away mm-hmm. um you wake up the next morning do you do you just spot the whole time until you find something that you want to go?
0: There's no, generally moose with, within the area. I'm saying within a couple of miles.
1: So once you you spot one, right. find one. That then you, you make a plan. Yeah. And so walk us through that in a very brief. Or, I mean, you know, just kind of the general idea of what people can expect if they go on this guided hunt as an assistant guide. What do you, Um. So, yeah, is? I mean,
0: usually there's a group of cows in the area and we, watch the bulls that the alders in that area you never see all the moose because they're always standing up or laying down and they're all, and and you the, the alders i'm talking about from afar they look like they're knee high and you get into them and they will be like you'll disappear like you'll you could shoot a moose in alders and like lose him so like that group of cows usually has a group of bulls coming in and out so a lot of times if we see a good bull or we'll just go straight to that group of cows knowing that bulls are going to be coming and going all day long because those bulls are just starting to rut right then starting to get pretty hot and heavy so there's a lot of new moose moving up that river um so a lot of times we'll just hike down and set up on that group of cows so we're closer in if a, a big bull shows up other other than that like you just simply just getting on to a high point our camp's on a high point so we just spend a lot of time glassing or we'll take a walk down river uh, a mile or two set up and sit down and just watch because a lot of times those moose will lay down especially if it's hot they'll just lay down and that alders are out on the tundra and until they stand up you can't get a, a, a great look at them um, until they get up and start moving
1: do you ever get far enough away from your base camp to where you have to camp somewhere else or do you always um, come back if
0: we have to do that we'll take a spike camp with this like we'll take a tent with us if we need to move um like another regulation in alaska is you can't um fly and hunt the same day so you have to fly in and you can't hunt for 24 hours after you've landed so depending on how long your hunt is if you need to move camp you're gonna you're gonna lose a whole day of okay. hunting so that's like a seven day trip that season's only 14 days um so it's a seven day in camp trip but to get to Nome, like we're gonna have well we're actually doing some fishing on the front end but like my other guys that are coming up they've got to overnight in anchorage and then catch a flight to Nome the next day and then hopefully get them out to camp the following day or maybe or, or that day or the following day so you're gonna lose some time just getting to camp so that turns into like a 10 day trip you know okay. maybe even longer a lot of people, when they're planning these trips, they're not accounting for travel time, uh, plane delays, weather delays. Like, it could be a seven-day hunt, and if weather's rolling in and we're done, you got to get your clients out of camp. Because if weather sucks in, you may be there for three days playing cards in the fog because the the planes can't can't see to there. come pick you up. Right. So you have to allow that in your travel. It's non-exact science i mean alaska's weather is so unpredictable that you hear horror stories of guys getting stuck out there like myself you know like guys like i was out there for five days before they could get us out and we didn't have enough food and we were running out of this and you know i almost got fired over it blah, blah 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 so you're divorced over it i mean you know some guy's wife may think he's off running running around on her but you know you need to be able to tell people that When you go out there, hey, I may not, this is my schedule, but it may get extended at least a certain amount of time. Hopefully not. I mean, not. this doesn't happen every time, but it can happen. And you have to, again, mentally prepare yourself for that and have enough food prep. Um, Granted, if you've harvested animal, you can start consuming that meat. Um, It's not great without salt and pepper, but, uh, you know, take, you know, little things. Uh, Always have a lighter... um, matches that you know strike anywhere waterproof matches first aid kit you know we, you've packed me some vitamins emergency you know pain pills because you're gonna get sore you get tired um i take my jet boil system it's a great system yeah make,
1: so talk a little bit about that a little bit about the food and kind of the you know. so
0: in the mornings we get up we'll eat oatmeal it's an easy quick boil some water eat some oatmeal You a little oatmeal pack take some granola bars and stuff with us during the day and um, is that
1: water already there, or are you gathering? We, we
0: fly somewhere. some in, and okay. if we get short, we go down the river. You have to—if you get anything out of the river, you have to boil it right. for a certain amount of time because beaver sense. fever, which is there's another word for that.
1: I was going to say they really call it beaver fever.
0: Uh, I'm drawing a blank right now. Well,
1: I can't help? Somebody you at will all tell always.
0: me. Somebody <laughs> will type it. Tell me. Somebody give me that word. There's a word. Um. Anyway, it make you definitely sick, and I mean people have died from it in the old days. But anyway, so like that camping gear that my dad used to have like big propane tanks and three cook stove and that's a lot of weight you know flying all that stuff in there and multiple trips well now we've got jet boils and cooking systems and, and technology that's so small and lightweight that you can cook everything you need on such a small system and and when you're talking about flying things in and out weight is a big issue you know, so you want to get your gear as light as possible. You want to get your your tents as warm and light as possible. I mean, lightweight is is key in working in Alaska. It's a logistical nightmare.
1: Sounds like it. So okay, I'm I'm stuck on food here because I'm hungry. So oatmeal, I'm getting there too. Yeah. (laughs) So oatmeal in the morning. Um, and then are you at camp for lunch usually? Um, just probably
0: not. It's not like you're going to walk five miles. Turn and come back just to eat lunch. Yeah. You just take something with you. And then like for, so what we've learned, what we've done, there's a lot of MREs, um, different brands, uh, freeze dried food. And some of it's not bad. It makes me drink a lot of more water. It feels like it dehydrates me. Um, and also, I, it changes my bathroom habits,
1: yeah,
0: to say the least. <laughs> um, so what we've done is Jimmy spends a lot of time, or he hires somebody to make home cooked meals like lasagna, beef stroganoff, whole list of stuff, chicken rice, and put them in like one pound packages and and freeze them. You know, um, like a
1: freeze vac. Yeah, thing? vacuum okay. seal them,
0: freeze freeze vac. Mm-hmm. So then he'll fly like an ice chest of those frozen meals out there and so when you get in and at night in the evenings at night you you take your pick and you drop it in a boiling pot of water five minutes it's heated back up and thawed out and you open that little freeze pack and just eat right out of that it's actually a really good system and we've jimmy owens my buddy in in um wyoming we've kind of acquired that we learned it from big jim uh he was living he does a lot of sheep hunts he was living on MREs, and he was like, man, my mom and brother can cook like crazy. And they got a vacuum sealer, and they, they spend all uh, summer prepping meals um, for sheep camp in the fall and, of course, elk camp too. Um, so it's a great system to do it if, if it's available to you because um, living off of granola bars is is not great.
1: doesn't sound very fulfilling
0: no. ever. Yeah.
1: I eat those for breakfast. So I'm and it's
0: home. hard to, like, when you're loading bread – it always gets squished, you know, and her soggy on the tundra. So, um, there's a, you know, the guys that have done it for a long time, like, like big Jim, Jimmy's, uh, Jim Fejes' his dad, learned a lot of tricks of the trade. And I learned a lot from him starting from 12 years old, you know, obviously, obviously his cooking got better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> obviously. I can't even imagine. I'm, I've said this a couple of times, you know, on this podcast, but I can't even imagine, um, doing that by myself. Like, the guys that do the non-guided just on their own, I wouldn't know where to start. I guess they have to do a lot of research. A lot of
0: research and a lot of, like, mental, physical prep and gear prep and food prep. Uh, like, a, again, some companies will fly them out, and they'll provide the food and stuff for them. Um, and Sam Fiji's Big Jim's brother, he runs a great outfit in southern Alaska. He does a lot of Kodiak bear, moose down there, mountain goats um, and there's some other really great outfitters in alaska riley Pitts, He's up on a north slope He does doll sheep and caribou and he's a he's a really good outfitter too And it's crazy how expensive alaska has gotten. Um 25 years ago, you could spend 2500 dollars to kill a caribou And I think the second one cost was the cost of the tag Uh, so I went to osprey lodge years ago and, and did some hunts there um the wolves have eaten the caribou way down. It's become a problem in Alaska. Um, so now, like, caribou hunts are around 8500 65 to 8500 for wow. a guided hunt. Um, so I guess everything's more expensive nowadays. But just to give you guys an idea, sometimes cheapest isn't always the best. Um, I would suggest if you're a do-it-yourself or a semi-guided or drop-off in spike camp, that you find three or three really good buddies that that are okay if you kill one and they don't, and they're gonna still help you pack it out, cause you don't want to pack it out on your back. I, I I've packed a carry bag out on my back. It's taken me a couple of trips. I've seen guys do it one trip that are in a lot better shaped than me.
1: How much how much meat are you talking about?
0: You know what? I wish my phone wasn't recording me, so I could just Google it real quick and tell you. <laughs> Uh, caribou aren't giant, like as far. Well, like
1: as, what are they like in relation to other animals? So they're
0: gonna be bigger than a mule deer. Okay. Um And smaller I
1: smaller th- than a horse.
0: Oh, much smaller. They're I would say they're like 350 to 400 pounds. Okay. They're very fluffy, so like once you get their hide off, there's not a lot to them. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So it's like if you get the dog wet.
1: Oh, I gotcha. Okay. Um,
0: I think, I think on Wikipedia, I think they can get up to 500 in some areas. I'm not, don't quote me on that, but I think if you deboned it, you could definitely, um, pack it back by yourself, um, in your pack. And I don't know the regs. If you can debone, I need to read up on that. If you can debone in a field and it may be different in different states or in different units, whether you can pack in debone meat. But if you take a moose, for example, moose is 18 up, can weigh up to 1800 pounds, so that's bigger than a horse yeah well that's as big as a big horse right so a third of that's probably guts a third of that's probably meat uh bone and hide and horns and a third close to a third of that's raw meat wet meat so 600 pounds pack out yeah Yeah. so you you're talking four to six hundred pounds of meat i mean a moose hindquarter is gonna weigh a lot
1: wow yeah so definitely um a lot to be prepared for if you go to alaska especially if you're doing it on your own um but even a lot to prepare for even if you do have a guide i mean look at what yeah you know the guys going with you are going through and they're they're on a guided hunt still yeah,
0: and they're even kind of panicked this week you know i think they're finally
1: well it's finally here they're
0: finally like grasp it but you know josh he was uh he's overexcited and he should be um but you know, having to calm your nerves and really focus on what you need and don't need because it's it's as easy to underpack as it is to overpack, and you can overpack the wrong things.
1: Right, that makes sense. Yeah,
0: I mean, you can pack a whole gear bag full of stuff, and if it's nothing of what you need up there, you did a bad job bad job of packing. And I mean, every outfitter is going to give you a, a gear list, a pack list, and brands that they recommend. And there's probably tons of YouTube videos of it. I mean, you've seen my packing videos and free yes, packs. We'll,
1: we'll have to put those up on Instagram or Facebook for the, maybe YouTube for the fans or the listeners.
0: Yeah. Okay. We're kind of running long here. We're at 30. So you want to wrap it up?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so any last minute, if you had to give somebody, somebody's going to Alaska, they're they're going on a guided hunt. The most important piece of advice you could give them would be what?
0: Patience. There's a lot of waiting around, a lot of waiting for an airplane. Hope for the best, prepare for the worst. Because Alaska weather is no joke. Um, do do your homework, do your research.
1: I think patience is huge because especially uh, in this world right now, you know, everyone's yeah. doing something. They're on their phone, they're, they're driving, they're doing whatever. And I think that to me, I definitely could understand where that would be the hardest thing for like, people.
0: Literally like that instant gratification is not available in alaska you may sit on your ass on the tundra for three hours waiting for a plane or three days so take a deck of cards take a little pocket video game but take your binos and an open mind and a journal and write down what you see and take in every breath of it and stop being like i gotta get back i gotta get back i gotta get home enjoy your time there that's the most important thing
1: that's what i was gonna say yeah enjoy just being out there awesome well um once again guys if you have any questions for trapper about this subject or if maybe you're going on your own hunt and you have questions about packing or anything like that um, you can always email us at trapslodge at gmail.com message us on social media anywhere and always leave us a review if you like the podcast if you didn't Uh, Let us know what you think because we're we're going off of your feedback to make us better.
0: Yeah, guys. Let me know if you have extra advice um, to add to what I have or um, questions. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Traps Lodge. Leave us a review. Send us an email. Until next time.